If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. All right, let's jump into this uh, training world right here. You know, to be honest with you, Sam, trainer, the word trainer can be a bad word sometimes in the basketball world. And I don't really consider you a trainer, but you are in that market, right? You're in the market of training teams and training players. And you've kind of gone a different route. You've kind of become a friend of the coach. You know, you work with coaches. But in general, when you hear the word trainer, right, I mean, there's a lot of things that it triggers, I think, with coaches in general. Like, I, you know, like in recruiting in college, we hear, um, you know, well, my trainer said, and you think, oh, geez, you know what I mean? Like, just being honest because everybody is relying on their trainer like they they know everything and they can train them to be able to do this and the the relationship is a little bit skewed sometimes because you know that trainer is getting paid to be able to do this to market that player to be able to you know and so you're like hey you've got to take that with a grain of salt I there's I know a lot of really good trainers all right there's a lot of them but I also have lived in the world where well my trainer says I should be playing at Duke and I'm like Okay, you know, I'm not even interested in you right now at our level. So there's that, that's part of what they're supposed to do. So that relationship can be yeah, very interesting in this world. Yeah, you know? and, and it's always scary. Whenever there's an industry where the barrier of entry is really low, yeah. you always have to be skeptical of what's out there, right? Because anybody can kind of get into it. And we always joke that you could throw a tennis ball and probably hit three trainers right now, yeah. okay? Like, they're just everywhere, but... Sam's doing it a little different. Yep. Yeah, he absolutely he's doing it different. And but I think specifically today, you know, talking about anybody um that wants to be a trainer, anybody is a trainer, and as well as, you know, coaches dealing with trainers, you know, we want to get some clarity on that. How can coaches better deal with trainers? How can trainers better serve coaches as well? So first question for you, Sam, is how have you learned to serve coaches? Now, you know, as a trainer, I think you're one of the best friends of coaches in the state of Georgia, but doesn't always work out that way. What are some things you've implemented as a trainer to become best friends or good friends or reliable to coaches? And, and right before you answer that, give a little background and only reason to take. I think everyone just knows Sam as PGC. Yeah. And I don't think they, not everyone may not know, especially outside the Georgia area, like what else you do in your own company. So yeah, share that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, my background is so I was coaching college for eight years and, um, to give you more back as a player i was a guy that had to outwork other players or other teammates uh, my opponents to to be successful and so i was always um had a lean towards player development because i knew how impactful it was for my own playing career so i always had a lean and a pull that way and even as a as a coach in college you know i love the player development aspect of helping a kid going from being a, a guy that most coaches would think would be a backup to being a starter or a starter to being all conference or all american i love that development aspect um so, you know, when, when leaving traditional, I call it traditional coaching, college coaching and getting into this training world, and I'm really careful about just word usage there. I don't even like saying tra- that we're trainers, even though we, we are. We're, we're in the development business. So the, the stigma has actually impacted you. <laughs> I'm, I'm very aware of it, very aware <laughs> okay. of it. And so, 
TJ's touching on a good point there, which is, you know, the good thing is coming when I started blue. So blue collar basketball is my business uh, that we run here in Atlanta. BCB. And it, BCB. And so it's Georgia based. We don't go outside uh, except for a few exceptions. Uh, we stay here in the Atlanta and the Georgia area. And we work, we do individual training we do group small group training we do team training where we go in and we run you know a high school team or a middle school program or a travel ball team we run their off-season development program um there is a major gap that exists between the coach and the trainer relationship because there's not a trust there and so i think going back to tj's question how do how do we attack it or how do we become good friends with coaches well there was a lot of built-in relationships prior to me even starting blue collar basketball. So, uh, there, there was a trust that was already existed and, you know, like anything, the way I want to continue to develop trust with the teams we work with, the players is communicate at a high level. So it starts there. The coaches understanding, Hey, I've got your back. I'm not the trainer or we're not the trainers. Cause we have about six other coaches in our organization. We're not there telling a kid, Man, you need to do you. You need to you need to go get your twenty. You need to go, you know, set yourself up for the next level. No, we're speaking a language like the coach, and we're talking first about how can you help your team. And so they know that, they hear that, uh, and we're in constant communication with coaches. I think to let them know that, and they know us for that. Okay, so you certainly have a leg up in the fact that you've got these pre-existing relationships. Yeah. But hypothetically speaking, let's say you went into a territory where you weren't known, where you didn't have the relationships, and you had to start building from the ground up. What would that look like? Okay, from a trust perspective, how could you separate yourself from those other? trainers that that kind of paint a bad picture yeah we well first is just let them know who we are and what we're about but anybody can talk a good game right and so more more than that is going in and showing them and so we'll tell them hey we're going to help them become better shooters and you know better skilled players but we're also not going to teach them a 15 dribble move uh, move to get to the rim and that's not basketball and in this trainer world adam and tj y'all know like it's easy to get on instagram or youtube and you see these fancy um fluff moves that garner the attention and excitement of a of a young athlete but they're not real it's not a part of the game. If you even turn on the NBA or college or a good high school game, you don't see it. So It's very blue-collar-esque of you, Sam, <laughs> that you all don't have this flashy social page. Okay? Yeah. You all, y'all just get down to work. We do. And it's, so it's development or training is really – it's what any good coach does. I mean, any good coach – you know, here at Emanuel, they, they develop players. You go to UConn women, Gino Emma, they're going to develop players. You go to Duke and coach, they're going to develop players. There's no fancy tricks to it. There's work, but teaching kids good, solid fundamentals. And so it goes to how, how, going back to your question. How do you go into a market or a coach where they don't know you? Well, it's just saying, hey, we're going to teach them how to be better basketball players. We're going to teach them your system, how to be better in your system. Coach, what type of offense do you run? Okay, we, we can design some things to to fit your system, you know. And I, 
I'm not sure many take that approach. So I think that's one thing. And that was one thing I was going to ask, Sam, is how much consultative in advance, you know, are you having with the coach? And would you actually encourage trainers in general to have to make sure you're getting on the same page? Because correct me if I'm wrong, TJ, I feel like there's a big concern amongst coaches is that the the trainers are going to take them in a direction that contradicts the direction. The message isn't the same. The message isn't the same. There's not a, uh, a consistency between the two messages. Yeah. And it could create more confusion. All of a sudden, the player gets returned to them, and, and they're having to think more, right? Because they were just spent the last six weeks learning it this way. Now yeah. they're learning about this way yeah i think one of the big frustrations for coaches in general is that um you know like we're talking about sam trying to get everybody on the same page is you're trying to run a team and you're trying to build a culture and you're trying to you know those things and you have the trainer telling them this and the aau coach telling them this and the high school coach telling them this and the parents parents telling them this you know so when you look at that it's just really it's really hard to navigate that's very real. That that is a real thing that exists. There, who whose voice do they listen to? And so we we want to align with the, with the high school coach. And you know we even do. We you know now we've expanded our blue collar business into travel ball teams because there's a need there. And but we want again prepare them to go back and be better players for their high school coach. And I think so. I think a, a bigger discussion here is. How do we merge all these worlds together where I think there's a real gap where the high school coach doesn't trust the trainer, the trainer doesn't trust the high school coach, yeah. the travel ball coach, you know, is, is bad mouthing the high school coach or the high school coach, you know, poor mouthing the, the um, travel ball. And that's a mess. It, it, it goes back to who loses. The players lose. You know what I mean? It, yeah. The players lose. I feel like, you know, coaches are losing more than ever because of this particular scenario. And I think it, it just causes a ton of confusion you know and and i and I, I hate it for the players more than anything because i think they're they're the ones that, that lose out the most but at the end of the day um listen there's a lot of bad coaches out there high school coaches you not doing it for the right reasons that are bad you know so i don't want to pick on trainers you know because we're just kind of isolated out there's a lot of bad coaches there's a lot of good coaches there's a lot of bad trainers there's a lot of good trainers you know there's a lot of bad aau coaches a lot of good aau coaches so there's you know there's nobody being isolated here it's just generally you know in talking um everybody has a different agenda you know and at the end of the day um i think the agenda should be to grow these players into the best people and player they can possibly be. And, you know, like I, one of my, my things. The problem trainers, is that definition varies from person it, to person. It, it does. And it, what, um, it does. I, like, here's an example. You know, like we hear this all the time. I think we run a good program here, as do a lot of people, where they try and develop young people and they try and, you know, play quality basketball. And but you know how many people transfer all the time from D1 to D2? And a lot of times the reason is, um, or to NAI or to anything, is everybody's just blowing their head full of smoke that you should go do this and you can do this. And all of a sudden they get there and they realize, well, I don't really like it that much. I'm not playing. Or I realize the competition's relative to, you know, here as it's good as here as it is there. And so then all these people, like they're not trying to find the best holistic place for this person to grow. They're trying to find whatever serves them the best. They're trying to get a notch on the belt. I can't tell you how many times, I mean, I, I've got a, in my phone list, I've got people that as soon as they call, I'd be like, oh, great. You know, like I know they're going to tell me about this kid who should have been a Duke, but we got a shot at him. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and all, that, the problem is I'm not even mad at the, the, that person, but your job is not, I think, to sell that young person. Your job is to help them find 
the right place to play if they can play. Or if you're training them, you know, you may be training them to get minutes on the varsity versus mm-hmm. getting a college scholarship. But everybody always tries to build it into more than it is. And at the end of the day, we want them to give the best they can. And jo- Sam's job is to get them to be the best player they can be. And in some cases, that means get them on the team. In some cases, that means get them playing time. In some cases, that means a college scholarship, right? But it just gets inflated so quickly. But not but not to tell them uh, my job or a trainer job or hey, it's not the job to say, man, your coach isn't giving you any run, you know, you need to go find another school yeah and feed into that that um rhetoric so i think we got to bridge the gap and, of and all I, these worlds i recognize why that trap exists because you, you want to build favor with that player yeah you know yeah. as a trainer you want that player to come to you so like let me tell them what they want to hear right let me say things that may get me on their side but if you truly and genuinely are interested in their development you will put that over any type of preferential friend relationship treatment yeah and that's the art of coaching you're, you're trying to balance these worlds of like inspiring a player to believe in themselves even more than they do i mean i think we don't we i sometimes even undervalue the the level of confidence we as coaches need to infuse confidence into players but they also know where confidence comes from it really comes from within and the work you put in we'll lose kids in our business who we're really straightforward with and if they're not bringing it like we're gonna tell them that and we'll, we've lost kids we've been fortunate to really grow and retain a lot of kids but we're going to lose some and they'll go to another trainer who's going to tell them what they want to hear and so tj's point like why are kids why is a transfer rate an all-time high okay it's easy when they don't like something there's many kids that are playing for two three four different high schools they're playing they're doing it in travel ball they they i watch a kid transfer a, an aau team within a tournament on the same, I watched this team get eliminated on a Saturday morning. You're later, kidding, later that day, that night, this is when I was doing my recruiting. He's playing for another team that night, <laughs> yeah. and so no, no lie. Why would they change? Behavior repeats itself. Yeah. So if you play for two different or three different high school teams, four or five different travel ball teams, why would you play for one college team? Behavior repeats itself. Sure. So. Now, we may be getting off subject here, but it all all this it ties in. I think the conversation is these worlds are all separate yeah. entities, and we're trying to bridge the gap. So, so let's let's continue kind of going down this path a little bit. But how do you, as a trainer, connect everything but still keep your voice? Okay, because if you're saying, all right, you know, I, I want to adapt my teaching to this style and, and and connect that world, but then this coach has a completely different style. At the end of the day, BCB has to have its its own style, its mm-hmm. own philosophies, its own mission. So how do you balance that as a trainer where you are working with multiple but not getting so far off what you believe to try to cater? Does that make sense? Yeah, a couple of things. I, I think one, and I hope I, what I'm going to say out loud, I believe, I, I do believe it, is <laughs> um, what we're teaching is a thread or can be uniform throughout any program. I mean, hard work, being coachable, being a great teammate – you know, doing the intangibles, becoming a better player. I think all those things translate in any program. There are some coaches who don't value it as much. And so I do get the phone call from the kid we're working with and the coach is playing uh, one kid who has a poor attitude, but he's going to drop 22 or 25 a game um, or or on a given game. And this kid's working his tail off, but it's not valued in that program. That's a tough conversation to have a kid, but it also opens up 
you know, it's not fair, right? There's going to be times in life where you have a job and it doesn't seem fair that your, your coworker is getting a raise. You know, you keep doing the right thing. You keep putting your nose to the grind and, and you work hard. Um, so I, I think, is it my answering your question? You are. I mean, that, I mean, that makes sense. But I guess I was thinking more of like the specifics about your specific basketball coaching. How do you kind of handle that balance between the different programs you work with? Again, I, it's if we're talking about a skill, there's a skill set that works for TJ's program. You know, if they run a read and react, that might not be a skill set that really helps this other kid in this other program. Um, but the, there are uniform skills. Effort is a, is a skill that should run through any program. You know, being a great teammate. Um, you know, being a good leader, being a good communicator, those are the intangibles. You know, being able to shoot the ball, being a skilled player, those those help in any program. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think that's the common thread. But I want to talk about how some of those common threads work best. You know, what are some best practices for trainers and coaches so we can get to some, hey, how can we move forward things, yeah. you know, after we go to this halftime break and get a good tip um, from one of our partners. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap for today's communication halftime tip. Coaches, remind your players, and this is so key, that communication is a form of intimidation. Let me say it again. Communication is a form of intimidation. Have your players use their voice to create a bigger and more dominating presence on defense. Allow that communication to make your team better in the process. Allow that communication to play into the psyche of your opponents. See, communication when done correctly, when done intentionally, and when done forcefully can be a major form of intimidation, and it's one that we control. So coaches, remind your players today, communication is a form of intimidation. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app currently being used by over 15 million people across the globe, just really helping bring your entire team together and be organized all season long. Check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to get started. Now let's continue with the episode. All right, Sam. So, what what are some things? What are some best practices um, that that people could move forward? For instance, like I, I'm thinking it in terms of like a um, a high school coach. You know, I, obviously, you, you can't trust every trainer, but you you, you want to try and get to know them and to be able to to know that. But I think high school coaches could be more um, receptive to trainers that reach out. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if a lot of trainers reach out. I know you do, but I don't know a lot of trainers do reach out. But it seems like a good partnership for me to be a high school coach and to have a guy come to me and say, "Hey, listen. Let's have a let's have a meeting. Where does where does Joe or where does Sally stand? Mm-hmm. You know, what do they need to do to be able to do this? And I'm going to be your greatest ally. You know, if you can just tell me what to do, I want to I want to make them better for you. Then it goes back to all those core things you talked about, being a good teammate, being whatever. But you can even go more in depth now that you know what what Sally wants. It seems like it would be really healthy for, you know, trainers aren't going anywhere, right? High school basketball is not going anywhere. It seems like it would be ideal if we could find a way to tie those together a little bit. Let let me give a real specific example. Maybe this would help illustrate and then y'all give me, you know, feedback or follow up questions. So. There was a kid that I was working with this preseason, okay? And prior to working with this kid, he's a 6'6 kid. Um, He's going to play. He's a senior right now, going to play at the college level at some level. And prior to working with him, he had reached out. I went to his high school coach. I said, hey, I'm going to start working with so-and-so. 
what what where do you play him in your system like how what where does he get the ball is he inside does he step out any and i got a good feel you know where as i said i want to build out you know a development program that's going to allow him to be successful in your program okay so we did that we did some preseason work i go to a game this is about a week and a half two weeks ago and i watch him play and I got really clear just from their style of play, like some of the things that we had been working on while they helped this kid's overall development, they weren't really playing out in a game setting. And so the very next time I said, you know, hey, look, so-and-so, we, we need to focus on these three things. I think right now to get your biggest short-term return for you to help your team win more games and you, you know, more be more of an impact because he, he really struggled to make an impact. And so he said, hey, right now you need to be a monster on the offensive glass. Like every single time the ball goes up, you got it. I said, you need five offensive rebounds a game. I said, you should get four points a game from sprinting the floor. So we need you sprinting the floor. And then the third thing is you are not going into contact. You're going away from contact and missing a lot of opportunities for some and ones. I said, we're going to work on those three things in this workout. And so we were, we did the workout and this was prior to me talking to the coach. So I went back after the workout. I sat down with the coach. I said, hey, I just want you to know these are the three things I told so-and-so that he needs to work on to be successful. Does that and Is that in line with your philosophy or did I go against? And see, I didn't go to him prior and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. I came after the fact and said, here's what I did. But I also – I think it's keeping that communication. Does that make sense? It does make sense. First off, my, the thing that stands out amongst anything that you just said is how strategic and intentional you are throughout that process. Mm-hmm. Right? Like literally reaching out to the coach in advance before anything, watching games and actually taking real life application and, and not just taking your approaches and just trying to make it fit with him, but actually seeing what he needs most. And then secondly, following back up with conversation, like, I mean, TJ, I think the stigma around trainers would significantly uh, become a lot more healthy if that was the approach being taken. I I think, too, let me add this, because I think there's a lot of high school coaches that are critical of trainers or, or people in my world. I've reached out to a lot of coaches I even reached when we did our travel ball. I would reach out pre travel ball season, say, "Hey, here's when we're practicing. We'd love for you to come out. Here's when our games are. Hey, also, we've got this kid and this kid in our program. If you can let me know anything that would be helpful that to help." Is the coach get, saying it to you? No, this is me. Oh, you saying reaching out to the coach. high school coach? Uh, okay, okay. And some really respectful, respectable high school coaches who never, ever respond to my email. Who never, when I've reached out to them didn't reach back out yet I wonder the thing that would irk me is like is this the same high school coach who's critical of the trainers yet here here we are trying to bridge a gap and you're not you're not meeting us halfway across the bridge mm-hmm. and so it's just really easy to, to throw stones sometimes yeah I think yeah across the board I think you throw in the AAU coach in there it's another dynamic mm-hmm. right there's just so many people you know trying to um at that time I think at the end of the day what we hope all of them could do is put you know the child first you know put the student first put the athlete first and if we can center that then i think we can get to that place and then you know it comes down to us all being better people it comes down to us all just wanting better things for the future you know it comes down to us all wanting to be able to instill these life lessons and and i think what you said earlier adam i think is a really important point and and not taking the easy way out it's so easy to make a friend by 
commiserating together, you know, by just feeling more, oh, yeah, that coach sucks. Yeah, you should transfer. You know what I mean? It's really easy to become their trainer or to become their whatever when we do that. I think what we owe it, you know, what we owe to, to young people, I think we owe them truth, you know. Absolutely. TJ and, uh, and Sam, appreciate today. Sam, best of luck as you continue growing BCB and all the work you're doing in the Georgia area. Had a chance a few months back to watch one of your practices. Absolutely loved it. Was captivated the whole entire time as you took the team, and it was so intentional. And coaches, TJ, I don't know the last time you've had a chance to watch Sam in action, man, but he's got his he's got his piece of paper folded up, and he's going from one thing to the next, just right all in point. It was pretty fun to watch. But a um, little piece of encouragement. These school boards, Sam, have really strict privacies on their email. I think sometimes coaches don't see them. I don't know if they always see all the emails. I feel like I've sent a lot of emails to coaches also, and they don't always get replied. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt sometimes. That That's it, being very kind. That it went in a junk folder, but who knows. But anyways, listen, I'm Adam. He is TJ. Together we are the Harwood Hustle. Till next time, we're out.